Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, sports fans. My name is Jake Izuski. You can call me Jake Iggy or Iggy for short. And this is Iggy's Sports Talk. So today, I have a very special guest on with me today, and his name is Pat Lane, and he is the co-host of Pat's Nation podcast and also a writer for SB Nation's site, Pat's Pulpit. And you can go over and follow him on Twitter. It's plain underscore Pat's. And so today, I have Pat on with me today to give a little bit of a recap of what happened last week with the Patriots during the draft. So how's it going, Pat? Good, Jake. How you doing? Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So first of all, I was just curious, how is your coronavirus time going and how are you dealing with this whole pandemic? It's going all right. Uh, I got three kids at home, so uh, eight, well, I guess nine, seven and four. And so it's it's a little crazy. Um, and my wife and I are both teachers, so we're remote teaching and remote learning and everything else. And so yeah, it's just certainly a little stressful and new and different. But um you know, but overall, it's going pretty well. We're just trying to trying to stay positive and enjoy the time we have together, you know? Exactly. That's great to hear. And I, I bet it was pretty nice to be able to, you know, relax a little bit and be able to watch a little bit of sports this past, a little bit last week during the NFL draft. How did you really like the whole virtual vibe of it? I kind of liked it a little bit. It was just kind of funny, though, to see Roger Goodell, like, almost sleeping. <laughs> I thought it was I thought it was extremely well done. I thought they really did it well. Um, you know, Goodell kind of in his basement, I thought was really cool. Um and just kind of the whole the whole production of it, the way it was done, I, it was different, but I liked it a lot. Um, obviously, a lot less, you know, kind of fanfare than uh, than there normally is. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was very well done. I liked it a lot. It seemed really intimate, you know. And and I know that you know a lot of the um, a lot of the executives were saying, um, you know, general managers and coaches were saying like it was nice to be home with their kids and. Mm-hmm. You know, you saw families in the, you know, in the draft room, which was cool. So right. I'm sure they really liked that a lot. So, you know, it was nice. And thank, and thank God everything worked out, you know, because there was a lot of, there was a lot of concerns about hackings, you know, or, or there'd be issues with like delays in, 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 you know, the connection and all that sort of stuff. And thank God it sort of worked out. And so really just going to the draft, the Patriots had 12 picks so I just want to hear a reaction on sort of what you thought they were going to do in, in, the, in, in the draft and what, what you were looking for them to do. Well, I was, happy, I was happy that they traded out of the first round. I thought that, you know, the big, the big issue with this year's draft class, I thought, was that there was a lot of, a lot of talent from, from one to 100. Right. And so, you know, they had four picks between one and 100, but it was, you know, 23 and then not till 87. And it was 87, 98, and 100. So, like, three of those picks were at the very, very end. And so, you know, you wanted to try to get, you know, one or two picks in the middle there, somewhere in the middle, which is exactly what they did when they traded out of 23. And I thought it was the right move. Um, and for them, you know, it's at the time that, that they thought they could get the same guy at 37 that they wanted at 23. And, you know, of course, you're looking at it saying, well, that doesn't make any sense. Like, that, that guy might not be available. But if Kyle Duggar was that guy, which it sounds like he was, you know, if they went in, 
if if we believe Nick Casario and he says that you know there were two guys on our list and it was Kyle Duggar or three guys on our list Kyle Duggar Josh Uche and, and another guy well then they were taking Kyle Duggar over everyone else basically you know and so for me I look at it and say well if that's the guy they wanted then they did get him at 37 anyways so they were going to take him at 23 anyways and they picked up an extra an extra first an extra uh, third round draft pick so you know, it ended up working out well. I thought the trade down was was perfect. Um, I was surprised that Joe Tooney wasn't moved, but I was also happy that he wasn't moved. And we'll see if you know, we'll see if they if they do a long term deal with him. I'd be very surprised if he played this year under the uh, franchise tag. Mm-hmm. But I think it makes sense for the Patriots to try to keep him long term. Uh, they're going to have a ton of cap space next year, so even if they're up against it this year, if they can sign him to an extension. Uh, you know, it makes a lot of sense to try to keep them. If not, then maybe they can move them a little bit later when uh, when that deadline's approaching. Exactly. Yeah, it will be interesting to see what happens with with Tooney's uh, extension, or or if they do try to trade him or not. But it, it was really interesting, especially and en- ending in the first round. I was sort of surprised about how much people were talking about why didn't the Patriots get Jordan Love? Why didn't they get a quarterback at 23? And I'm like, all right, all right, Stidham's the starter, or Hoy is the starter. Just just stop trying to make this whole sort of media sort of clickbait that the Patriots need a new quarterback with Dalton or Newton or something like that. But I, I was pretty happy about, about the trade and everything, but I, I just thought it was kind of funny how I, I was, I was hoping to see some big sort of pick at 23 and then had, had waited throughout the entire first round. And then, then they trade out. I'm like, Oh, well that stinks. Yeah. Now they always, I mean, that's what they always do, right? You always want some sexy pick from them and you always get, you know, I, I remember back in 2001, People were going nuts because David Terrell was a was a wide receiver that had played in Michigan, and everyone wanted David Terrell. And they said he's the guy at number six. He's definitely the guy at number six. And they drafted you know some bum named Richard Seymour instead, who played you know D tackle and D end. And they were like, "What are you doing? They're so stupid. They need a wide receiver." This and that, and you know, Terrell ended up on the Patriots a few years later after he got cut by the Bears. But like, you know, it was just like they that's what they do. They don't make the sexy pick. But they make you know a pick that makes sense for them, um, and of course Belichick has certainly had his share of misses. Um, but what I like about this year's class is that they bet on uh, athleticism. You know, you go back and you look at at, uh, at a guy like Jordan Richards is the is the best example of this. Jordan Richards had no business being taken in the second round, zero, no business whatsoever, no business being taken in the second round at all. And, uh, you know, and, and the issue for me is that when you start, when you look at it, is that he, he fit their scheme, right? His nickname in college was coach because he knew every single play. He knew what, what every single player was doing, every single play in defense. So the, the, you know, all the players went to him to say, Hey, you know, what can I do? And how can I help? And he was a team captain and everyone loved him. The problem is he's not, he's not good at football and he's not a great athlete. And so, yeah, the you know the smarts and everything is great, but if you can't play, well, then it doesn't matter. And so, you know, instead of going for a guy like that who fits a lot of the things that they like to do mentally, they went after guys that were physical specimens. I mean, Kyle Duggar. I know we play D two, but the kid is a physical specimen. I mean, the kid is just you know forty two and a half inch vertical, one hundred thirty three inch broad jump, and a four four nine forty, which I think might have even been a little bit slow. He was saying he could run in the four threes, which obviously he didn't, but you know, who knows? And, and he might even be faster than, than, than that four, four, nine says. And so betting on the athleticism and Uche is the same thing. Very, very athletic guy who can get around the edge, 
blitz, you know, on the inside and things like that. And so I think the athleticism and the versatility is what they shot for. And I'm okay doing that because I'd rather that than them go after a guy like Jordan Richards where it's like, yeah, okay, great. He's super smart, but he just can't play football. Right. I mean, especially with Duggar, it, it seemed like right when they made that pick, it's sort of while well, the analysts, they're like, who the heck is this kid? Like, yeah. who is this? And it was so funny because they were talking about it as like it was a bad pick. And then, they, and then they were like, well, you know, he can play linebacker. He can play safety. He can also play d- defensive back. And then he can also play cornerback too. And he's the right. most ath- one of the most athletic, athletic kids in the second round. I'm like, so why are you knocking the kid? And then mm-hmm. the more that I did in my research, he gained 50 pounds after he left college. That's crazy. That's nuts. Yeah. And that's – I mean, that's the thing with him is that he – you know, I think fits what they want to do. Look, Pat Chung is, is a massive, massive part of what they do on defense. And I think they drafted Kyle Duggar to be a Pat Chung replacement eventually. Now, will that happen right away? I don't know. Will he ever get to that? I don't know. But the athleticism is there. And Pat Chung is a, is a great example of a guy. They liked his athleticism. They brought him in. They tried, to, they tried to have him do something that he wasn't good at. Right. And so they end up letting him go. Philly does the same thing with him. The Patriots figured it out. They brought him back and they said, no, no, he's not, he's not great playing deep. You know, let's bring him in. Let's sit him in the box, just like a linebacker, mm-hmm. you know, and he does, and he does that extremely well. And I think Duggar's going to come in and they're going to try to have him do the same type of thing. And again, like I said, it's going to be a big step up for him. He's a little bit older. I know, you know, there's a lot of people that didn't love the pick. But anytime you're betting on that athleticism, I'm okay with it, you know, and especially with the coaching staff you have around here. I mean, they, they can figure it out, you know, and so, so we'll see. Overall, I was happy with it. Um, and like you said, quarterback, man, people just need to shut up about that. It's, it's so ridiculous. It's Jordan so Love, annoying. first of all, talk about a guy, you know, Duggar's a small school guy. Jordan Love went to Utah State and threw like 17 interceptions last year. Like yeah. there's no chance that guy, I know he does great things athletically. But you look at a guy that they got, and, 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 you know, Jamar Smith, obviously, you know, undrafted free agent, but he has some of the same type of things that Jordan Love has. Now, he's a little bit shorter, but he's insanely athletic. He has some ridiculous plays on tape, and he played really inconsistent at times for Louisiana Tech. And so should he have been drafted in the first round? Of course not. But when you look at it and say, well, he's not that much different than Jordan Love is, Right. Like I said, Love is is a better prospect. Obviously, he was taken in the first round. Jamar Smith wasn't drafted. But when you're talking about, you know, as far as like talent level and, and, and tape and everything, it's pretty similar. It's, it's kind of crazy when you look at it. And it's like, here's a guy they didn't even draft. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the Packers took this, traded up for this guy in the first round. So I just thought, you know, the Jordan Love talk, I was like, please, God, don't let that happen. You know, and I'm, I've been a big sitting guy since last year. I tell this story on my podcast all the time, but I, I had uh, I had a press pass once, one press pass for uh, for the Rodney Harrison thing, and they did the in stadium practice afterwards. And I said in the press box, um, you know, I'm like Jared Sinem is going to be the starter, right? He's going to be the next Patriot starter. Now I didn't know what was going to happen this year, but I said the next Patriot starter is going to be Jared Sinem. People were like, "What are you nuts? He hasn't even played a game yet." I'm like, I just from the first snap he took a training camp, he reminds me of Jimmy G, and not. I don't want to say he's Jimmy Garoppolo, but what I'm saying is that he gets rid of the ball. He takes his three-step job. He makes the read. He gets it out. And that's what the Patriots like. Quick decision-making and quick release. That's what they want. And, uh, and he does that well. And I think that obviously there are some things to, you know, to tighten up and some things to fix, uh, obviously. But 
the the base is there and it's pretty solid. And so I, I wasn't necessarily surprised when they when they moved on from Brady and, and went to Stidham. I mean, Stidham has no confidence within the media. Like the media, or I'm sorry, the media has no confidence in Stidham. Right. It, it's ridiculous. I, I, yeah. I've seen it the last five days on ESPN and also just on Instagram. Oh, the Patriots are going to try and get Dalton. The Patriots are going to try and get Newton. Or they get, are the Patriots tanking for Trevor Lawrence? I'm like, all right, stop this nonsense. Stop it. Because even Devin McCourty said that Stidham, May put pressure on them before their best defensive games. And the one thing right. that he said where, where I'm like, all right, Devin McCourty has been with the Pats for, you know, 10 some odd years. So he's got to, he's got to know something. He's like, the Stidham family is going to be in New England for a long time to come. I'm like, you can't yeah. just make that statement and it not right. come true. And that's, I agree with you. And the other, the other thing too, is that when you look at it, what are they talking about in Denver? Are they, are they talking about Drew Locke stinks and, you know, the, they should be looking for a quarterback there? What are they talking about in Jacksonville? Are they talking about Gardner Minshew stinks and they should be looking for a new quarterback? Like, they, they are young quarterbacks playing throughout the league, and no one's questioning those guys. Now, I understand Stidham was a fourth-round pick. I understand he, he played four snaps last year or threw four passes last year. I get that. I get one of them was a, was a pick six. I understand all that. But if the coaching staff looks at him and says – we think this kid has a shot. And by the way, if they didn't think that, they would have given Brady a two-year contract this year. Mm -hmm. Like, they would have done that. Or they would have paid Cam Newton or Andy Dalton or someone else to come in and be a bridge quarterback. But mm -hmm. when you have a young kid and you like him, you give him a chance. And maybe he goes out and he stinks. I have no idea. We don't know that, of course. But you have him here. He's on the roster. He's making like $500,000. So what the hell? Throw him out there and see what happens. And if he stinks, then he stinks. And you say, okay, we rebuild. Or you say, okay, we have Hoyer, and he can at least get us through the year. We can finish 7-9 and nine or whatever. Right. You know? and, and then you see what happens. And then you say, okay, so we know Stidham's not the guy, so now we have to address the quarterback position next offseason. You know? And then that's what you do. And, and I, think, I think it makes sense. Do I think they're going to finish 4-12? I don't. I know some people think they're going to be terrible. But I think they're going to be better than people uh, – than people think that they will be. I, I'm thinking somewhere between – to me, it's seven to ten wins is really kind of that spot yeah. for me. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you told me an over-under of eight, it'd be difficult. If you said seven and a half, I'd take the over. Eight is tough because I'm not sure. they got a tough schedule next year. Uh, that's the other part about it, too. They're playing the AFC West and the NFC West. And so you talk about, you know, the good young teams there. Arizona's a much better team than they were. Seattle's a good team. Obviously, San Francisco's a good team. The Rams kind of stink, but, like, they're still decent. You know, and then you look at the, the AFC West, it might be the best division in football. You know, and now, of course, who knows what Herbert's going to look like, but, you know, with the Chiefs, and well, the Raiders stink too. But with the Chiefs and the Broncos, they're going to be better. And the, and the Chargers have tons of talent all over the place. So they have a tough schedule coming up this year. But at the same time, I look at it and I say, well, why not? They have a great defense still, you know? And so, and they got the best coach in the, in the, in the NFL. So uh, I think they'll be okay. I mean, anytime that people bring up the whole point about Stidham being a fourth rounder, I'm like, so if you actually paid attention to the draft, you would realize that Stidham, at the start of his senior year, he, or I'm sorry, his junior year, he was projected to be a first round pick. And then the right. Patriots drafted him in the fourth round. Like when we got him in the fourth round, I was ecstatic. I ran around my apartment up in college and I was like, we got this kid in the fourth round. He's supposed to be a first rounder. And yeah. it, I'm just, I'm just so done with the whole conversation because I just cannot wait 
for Stim to go out there and just show and shut up all these people in the media and all these fans who are down them. Because I completely agree with you. It's it's a it's a point where it's like nine and seven or eight and eight for me. That that's where I feel comfortable projecting for the Patriots because I right. mean they were they were a top three, top two defense in the league last year. Who cares if if Finnoy left? Who cares if Harmon left? Who cares if Collins left? Look at the draft. Like there's all these wicked young athletic guys like like we were talking about earlier that are going to step up and who knows if they're going to develop into what they're supposed to, but you always got to just go to the same statement and Belichick we trust. Right. No, it's true. And, and, you know, you look at what they did in the off season. And I think, you know, my, uh, my co-host Ryan Spagnoli wrote, wrote an article uh, for Pat's pulpit talking about how this year feels similar to 2001. And a lot of it feels similar for me. And of course the quarterback is different, right? Going into Oh one, they had blood. So, mm-hmm. um, but you have a young quarterback starting, uh, which, of course, by the time, you know, 01, you know, by game three in 01, there was a young quarterback starting, a young, unproven quarterback who they like uh, in the system was starting for them. But also, you look at the free agent pickups that they had, right? And they had a lot of guys that were castaways and no names Bobby Hamilton and Roman Pfeiffer and Mike Vrabel. And you look, you know, down the line, Anthony Pleasant, and you go down the line, you look at these guys that all had a big impact on the team, but looked like no-name guys. And the Patriots did the same thing this year. They went out, they signed Adrian Phillips, who's going to be you know, a, a safety-slash-linebacker for them this year. They go out and they sign Brandon Copeland from the Jets, who everyone says is a pretty good outside linebacker. Again, not super flashy guys, but guys who can go out and help. You look at 01, they signed David Patton, who was a guy that you know, was a speedster but never really put it all together. The Patriots go out and they signed Demir Bird, who is a ridiculously fast wide receiver who could never really put it all together. And so you start looking around and saying, huh, okay, well, they're building a team that is similar to 01. They're trying to build a good defense with good role players, good veteran role players, and they can build off the talent they have on offense. You know, and, and you look at what they did at the end of the draft where, you know, they really focused on defense, on offensive line. I think the offensive line is something that, is, a, is an area of concern for me. Uh, when, obviously, we don't know for sure what's going to happen. David Andrews is coming back from, uh, you know, from, from the blood clots. He's been cleared to play, but who knows what's going to happen there, right? you got Tooney. you got Shaq Mason, who had a down year last year. You have, you know, Marcus Cannon, who had a down year last year, and there's been rumors about him retiring. So the, whole, the entire offensive line is a question mark. But then – you start looking at it and you say, okay, they, they did some stuff to address it last year. They picked up a guard, a center, and a tackle on the draft. So they're trying to, you know, throw more pieces at it. Now, of course, in 01, they drafted Matt Light in the second round, so they really made a priority about it. But they have a young left tackle, and hopefully he'll, he'll be good. He'll continue to, you know, to grow and be good. But I think this team is going to rely on their running game, and this team is going to rely on maybe on some quick passes and some screen passes, and they're going to have some speed, man. You know, and Nikhil Harry, look, people are down on Nikhil. I think Nikhil is going to be okay. I think he's going, to, he's going into his second year. I think that he's going to be all right. Now, is he a prototypical dominant wide receiver? No, but he's a big-bodied guy that can get open and, and kind of bully people. And that's how they're going to win. They're not going to win by running past people like the Chiefs do, right? They're not going to win by dissecting the offense like Tom Brady's been doing for the last, you know, 20 years but they're going to win like they did in 01 which which is you know 
good, solid defense, a solid running game, and then decent play by the quarterback. You know, in one Brady was fine. He was okay. But the difference is, is that when it mattered most, he dominated. And he, you know, he put games together and he came through in the clutch. So you take that team that's maybe a 9-17 and 17, and all of a sudden they go 11-5 and five, and they put some good performances together in the playoffs and they win the Super Bowl, right? And that's what a dominant quarterback does. And that's what guys like, I mean, you look at Vrabel. Vrabel had maybe the most ridiculous stat of all time. Vrabel played almost every single defensive staff in 2001. And they go through – at the end of the year, they go through and they grade every single play. They look at every single play and they look at the mistakes that people made. Okay. And they just, they give out mental errors. Mike Vrabel made zero, zero mental errors in 2001. So you talk about a guy that was just, was unbelievable. And so, you know, the, the type of performance that they got from Vrabel and even from Hamilton and from Pleasant and from Rowan Pfeiffer and from these guys that were really kind of no-name guys, David Patton, that they brought in and really, really, you know, showed out. And I think that if you get that from Adrian Phillips and Brandon Copeland, and then if Stidham can actually play, well, now you're saying, okay, well, we feel they're a good enough team to be 9-7, and seven, but now we can be 11-5 and five and 12 or 12-4, and four, and now we're competing for a championship. Or, you know, yeah, everyone's decent and we can go nine and seven and then either we win the division or we just, you know, we just miss out or we make the playoffs as a seven seed or whatever the case may be. And we're an okay team and building, you know, and I think they're in that range where it's like, okay, it could go either way. I don't think they're going to be four and 12 because they're better than that. No. Yeah. I, I completely agree with that. And going off of your point sort of with the offensive line, in my opinion, when everybody was talking about, oh, Brady's declining, oh, Brady's not the same player that he always was. Obviously, the guy's 42, but at the same time, when you have an inconsistent and bad offensive line, we saw it with Baker Mayfield last year. We saw it with Eli Manning the last three years. When you don't yeah. have time to throw the football, you're going to make inaccurate passes. And when you don't have wide receivers that are able to get open, and when they're doubling Edelman all the time, you're not going to have anybody open to be able to get down the field. And so right. – that's the biggest thing that I was super excited that they really addressed in this draft. And like, I just sprung out of my seat. I'm like, finally, we drafted a tight end or we just finally found an answer for the tight end because, you know, there was yeah. guys like Austin Hooper, Trey Burton, you know, you know, even Ebron was out on the, was out on the free agent market. There was all these different guys that we could get for cheap, but now we have, I got to get, get ready to say his name, Devin Asasi. I got, that's going to be fun, but he, no yeah. joke looked like, Aaron Hernandez in his prime. He was, he's the fastest tight end I've ever seen. He's, he's very good. I like him a lot. And the more, the more you listen to people, you know, the more you listen to experts now who's breaking down the draft, he's the guy that can be the real dual threat tight end. Very good blocker, really good receiver. He's only 6'3", so he's a little bit shorter, but he's like 6'3", 270. So he's a house and he can move. And so it's like when you get a guy that size that can move after the ball, move after the catch, and also makes tough contested catches and can block, now you're looking at a guy that can be a legitimate factor as your number one tight end. And then, you know, now who knows what they're going to do with Dalton Keene, you know, but uh, obviously they liked what they saw in him. You know, I heard uh, a lot of like Kyle Juszczyk there where, you know, Sam Fran kind of used Juszczyk as like an H-back. You know, so he's a fullback, but he's also coming out of the backfield to catch passes and, you know, and do all, all, all sorts of that stuff. Uh, Keen has a lot of rackability as well. And so they want, you know, they're trying to get playmakers on the offenses out of the ball, right? 
Asiasi is a guy that's going to be a steam guy. And they missed that with Gronk desperately. And, you know, look, uh, as much as Gronk kind of screwed them by retiring late, uh, they missed out on Jared Cook last year uh, because Gronk hadn't decided yet. Uh, but at the same time, when you start to look at it and you say, okay, they screwed up last year. They blew it. They completely blew the tight end position last year. And it was, a, it was, it was bad, right? But they fixed that problem this year. They went out and they, they targeted two guys in the draft that they liked, and they went out and got them both. And I'm happy about that. And, you know, again, Asiasi is a guy who didn't get a lot of pub, didn't get a lot of publicity. Trotman was the guy. Everyone thought Trotman was the number two wide receiver. Trotman can't block. Can't block anymore. And I love the guy. Athletically, he's great. But he just can't block anymore. And so and he's a guy who played at Dayton and didn't block anyone. So now you're going to come to the NFL and block people? I, I don't think so. You know, and so – so that's, so that's an issue, right? So you say, okay, they want guys that can block. Both Asiasi and Keen will block. And technically, yeah, they got some issues, you know, here and there with their, some of their technique, but they can fix that. They're willing blockers, and that's the biggest thing. They're willing blockers. And I, like I said, Asiasi's like 6'3", 270. So he's a house. And so he, can, he wants to just punish people, you know, in the run game. And so I love that. You know, anytime you see stuff like that, I love it. And so – you know, I'm excited about the tight end spot. And the thing is, too, is that now they can, now they can get other guys open. Because, like you said, the double team in Edelman. Okay, well, you throw Asiasi in the slot, you know, up the seam. Now you got to cover that. You throw Nikhil Harry on the outside. Now you got to cover that. Muhammad Sanu, now you got to cover that. So, and with Sanu healthy and, and Nikhil healthy as well, I think they're going to be okay. I really do. You know, everyone freaked out about wide receivers. That was the biggest thing. And, and look. That was the biggest thing for me. People freaked out about quarterback and they freaked out about wide receiver. And I just said, look, they're okay at wide receiver. They spent, first of all, they spent a number one pick last year on a wide receiver and a number two pick this year on wide receiver because they traded it for Muhammad Sanu. They're not then going in and going to waste another high draft pick on a, on a wide receiver. It's not going to happen. You know, and so they, they were happy with Myers' uh, production last year. You know, he's one of the best uh, undrafted free agents as far as production that they've ever had at the wide receiver position uh, outside of Campbell Tompkins. And so, you know, he was a inco- little inconsistent here and there, but he had a pretty good rookie rookie season, I thought. And so you start looking around and saying, okay, they have some pieces there. You know, are they great? Are they the number one wide receiver core in the, in the league? Of course not. But they have some pieces there. And then you go out and get a guy like Jeff Thomas who has a lot of baggage, right? But the kid can move and he can play. And so if they can get his head screwed on straight, that's going to be a kid who I'd be surprised if he doesn't make the team this year. Um, you know, and then they go out and get Will Hastings, which is, uh, uh, Stidham's slot guy at Auburn. And so they go out and they get, they get some guys that can play now, whether those guys will have an impact or not, I don't know. But again, if you're taking a wide receiver in the fourth, fifth round, you're looking at the same issue that you'd be looking at for basically for an undrafted guy as well. So it's like, you know, either one for me, everyone was high on the Tyler Johnson pick for the bucks, which I think is a good pick, but at the end of the day, you get the same question marks about him that you have about a guy like Jeff Thomas because he was drafted in the fifth round. Like, is he really going to be able to step in and play right away? Probably not, you know? I mean, that, that was the same question mark with Jacoby Myers as well when, when he first started last year. But, I mean, yeah. with Dalton Keene, I just watched his stats, and he just looked like a Patriot. Like, the grit, the passion that he had with every single play. Like, he, got, got, he had three guys around him. And boom, boom, boom. Just getting, just getting off of everybody. And interestingly enough, he was the best tester for a tight end in the draft. 
So yeah. getting getting him at, in the late third round, I think that's perfect. And so, something that like I'm not going to take it too seriously, but but Doug Kide from Nesson, he's the Patriots reporter. He compared mm-hmm. him a little bit to George Kittle, which I thought was kind of interesting. But I'm not going to hold tight to that whole to that yeah. whole analysis and be like, oh, let's hope that he's George Kittle. But I mean, both of those guys. I mean, it was the first time since they drafted two tight ends since Aaron Hernandez and Gronk, and that was gross. That was ridiculous. And so it was going to yeah. be nuts. Well, that's the thing. And look, I think the biggest thing for me, you know, my, my big takeaway from the draft really for me, honestly, is that they targeted a bunch of guys. They moved up four times, you know, they traded back obviously in the first round, but that, that trade back was really to kind of fill that gap between 23 and 87. And again, they felt like if Duggar was the number one guy on the board, they really wanted there at 23, they were able to get him in 37 anyway. So it's a great, it's a big win for them, but they targeted guys and they moved up to get him. They saw Uche. They moved up 11 picks to get him. They liked Asiasi. They moved up nine picks to get him. They saw Keen. They moved up, you know, 24 picks to get him. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and they traded up for on, on Wainu as well, the, the guard from Michigan. They saw guys that they said, we have a high value in these guys. We need to go up and get them. And so they did. And Bill Belichick, for the first time in his, in his Patriots career, on draft day, traded a future a future draft pick in this year's draft. So he's never done that before. He's never. So what he did is in the Dalton Keene trade, he traded two fourth rounders and a sixth rounder next year to move up into the late third. And he had never done that before. He never traded a pick in the following year during the draft. And so you know, it, to me, it just shows me a little bit that you know. They, they were high on those kids. And so, you know, you go out and you get both tight ends. And look, are there question marks? Dalton Keene scares the crap out of me. He scares the crap out of me because he didn't really play inline blocker. He wasn't really an inline tight end, you know. And so, and, and Virginia Tech kind of, uh, you know, drew, diagnosed things from the new. So they manufactured touches for him. So it wasn't like go out and beat that safety there. It was like, hey, we're going to run a screen pass or we're going to throw you in the flat or something like that, you know. And that's the type of stuff for me that I looked at and said, okay, that concerns me. But at the same time, it's like, hey, if they're high on him, then it is what it is. You know, and you just got to hope that he makes the best out of it. And I think, the, I think the Kittle comparison is interesting because Kittle was the same type of player coming out of school. You know, now again, Kittle obviously has turned himself into an amazing player. But there were a ton of question marks about him coming out of school as well. And so the athleticism is there for Keene. Um, but again, I mean, George Kittle's an awfully high ceiling. I don't know if he'll ever get there, but if he has those same type of, you know, types of, uh, types of athleticism and, and, and the types of skills that, that Kittle has, you know, he could grow into it again, very high bar to set, but even if he's 75% of what George Kittle is, that's a big win at the end of the third round. And, and especially as your second tight end you drafted. Seriously, I, I mean, with, with what you were talking about with the bat, with the out of the backfield screen, sort sort of that, that's what in all the highlights I saw, Keen, that's what he was doing. It mm-hmm. kind of reminded me of a Burkhead sort of out sort of screenplay where he would just get like 10, 10 yards down the field. But the last guy that I want to get your take on uh, was Afrony Jenkins, who was mm-hmm. drafted in the third round, eight, number eighty seven. And it's interesting because he was first team all SEC. And then he also led the Alabama Crimson Tide, which, I mean, they're not too shabby on defense. And tackles for loss and sacks. And so uh, there's a lot of comparisons to him with with Rob Nankovich. So I just want to get your take on on sort of what we could look for with Jenkins. 
Yeah, I think the Nick. I think the Nick makes things make sense. Um, by the way, I'm calling him Penny because his name's Anthony, and uh, you may not get that reference, but but it's a Penny Hardaway reference uh, from way back in the day. Uh, but you know, for me, I look at it and say I like him because he has some athleticism. He doesn't have as much athleticism as Uche, but he does have a good amount of athleticism. And his biggest strength is his hands. He's got great hand placement. Uh, he does a great job at setting the edge with the Patriots. Patriots miss. You know, what's one of the things about Van Noy for me that he did very well for the most part, which is set the edge. Uh, you know, and obviously Van Noy rushed the passer and and you know played played against the pass a decent amount, but he was very good against the run, setting the edge, and that's something that they're going to miss uh, from Van Noy. It, you know, and they missed from Nikovich as well, and so I think Jennings is going to come in and kind of be that guy. Uh, hopefully at least, or at least develop into that guy that can set the edge. Uh, and again, you know, he has some explosiveness. It's not as much, like I said, as a guy like Uche, it's not as much as, as, as a prototypical edge rusher might have, but the Patriots are okay with that. You know, you have, you have a guy that can set the edge and play strong um, on the edge of the defensive line, which is important. And, and their defense relies on that because, you know, you, you want to funnel them back in because everything is about gaps. And so it's about controlling your gaps. And so they're not running into the backfield to try to get the back to try to get the running back in the backfield, right? They're trying to stop them at the line of scrimmage. So if the guy on the edge isn't sending him, isn't funneling them back into the middle, now he gets to the outside and there's no one there because, you know, it's just a cornerback or a safety trying to come. But again, it's, let's try to funnel them back into the middle, you know? And so, uh, having a guy at the edge is important. And Jennings seems like he can be that guy. And again, the limited athleticism, I think, is no big deal because he excels at, at doing exactly that. And so uh, I think for the Patriots, it was a great fit. I, I like it a lot. Me as well. And that, that defense is going to be scary because especially with Uche, Jennings, and Warwick, and then all the other guys that they have all around them just going right at the quarterback. I mean, that quarterback going into the, going into the week against the Patriots has to be scared. So, Pat, yeah. I, I really appreciate you coming on the show. And thanks so much for all of the takes that you've given on, on the Patriots draft recap. So, to everybody who wants to listen more to Pat and his Patriots takes, go over to Plain underscore Pats on Twitter. And then also check out his podcast. It's Pat's, Pat's Nation. So, thanks, Pat. Hey, thanks, Jake. Appreciate you having me. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.